This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 598, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week, number 598. I'm Josh Flanagan, along with my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello, Josh. And Ron Richards. Hello, Connor. Hello, Ron. Hello, you, guys. You can, Connor, can you tell Josh that I said hello? Josh, Ron. You know what you did! <laughs> <laughs> we are a long show if I have to do that. <laughs> Connor, can you tell Josh that I disagree with his opinion of that artwork? <laughs> Josh, uh, Ron disagrees with your opinion on the artwork. Um, Connor... Can you tell Ron to go screw? <laughs> we are a bad boy. We usually speak with each other. Every week we do, but this week, maybe not. Uh, we read our stack of comics, unless you're a stupid sideburn guy. And one of us picks their... That's, that's terrible. One of us picks their favorite book, and we call that the pick of the week. We're going to ca- talk about that book. Other books from the week, we're going to talk about the patron pick. We're going to do some patron superpowers. And uh, the other things will come in there. Off-topic stuff. Crazy stuff. Things that we don't even know are coming. Are coming. So there's going to be that. Maybe an email. It should be fun. That's the point. Uh, it will also spoil the books if you haven't read them. This is a review show. We're going to talk about what happens in them. Uh, behave accordingly. Connor, you had the pick this week. Yes, and the pick of the week was, and I keep getting the title wrong, Dark Knight Metal. Is that the title of the book? Dark Knight uh, colon metal. That's right. And I think but, you're supposed to say metal. Um, what I love about this book, this is the, this is the first issue of the... DC event series, which we've had two prelude issues for, one of which was the pick of the week. Um, first of all, DC doesn't really do events, right? Dark Knight's metal, with they ask. Uh, since the New 52, they really haven't had company-wide events. Am I yeah, wrong? like a couple of lines crossing, I guess. Right, but, but not like a Civil War II or a no, you know, Secret That's Empire right. kind of thing, which is strange considering... But this is actually, it says it, a DC Comics event on it. Um, well, according, and according to Wikipedia, the crossover events that happened uh, post-Flashpoint, there's like a ton. But they're, but not, they're, they're not across the whole thing, right? Exactly. Right. Um, and then and then post-Rebirth, there's been a bunch of little mini, kind of like the button that we loved. And right. Justice League for Suicide Squad, but nothing, you know, cross-line-wide, yeah. It's like Square Rhombus, right? Crossover. An event is a crossover, but a crossover is not an event. Right, exactly, exactly. Although, what was for, was Forever Evil? That that was probably the only event they've done. What about Future, Future's End? I don't even know what that is. Yeah, I don't know what that is either. Um, but if you see the, the handy checklist at the end, this is going through most of the lot of a lot of the line, not most of the line, but right. a lot of. Well, the d- line. when DC did this, they would do them in like miniseries, like Forever Evil. Well, you yeah. know, had individual issues and things like that, and and anyway, but yeah, so and then crossover. It doesn't matter. The point is, this it's it's a little rare to have this kind of event, and especially with this pedigree of creators. So you have basically the Batman, the the old Batman creative team of Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, Jonathan Glapion, FCO, Placencia, and Steve Wands uh, doing a DC event, and they did DC's number one book for six years. They are arguably DC's number one creative team, so it's rare you get just that whole team ported over to an event like this. And what I really enjoyed about it was it brings a bit of the gonzo all-star Batman attitude to the entire DC universe, which is where Scott Snyder's head seems to be at right now. And I kind of really dug that. Yeah. Um, I liked the cold open sequence that goes a smash cut to the title page. Um there's a, as, as people mentioned on Twitter, there's Voltron Justice League in this issue where they all, in, in, this, in the cold open, they're all in these sort of machines and they form one giant Justice League Voltron robot. Which, um, which, 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 was, which, let's be honest, was very ridiculous, but in, in my book, ridiculous in a good way. Yes, that's what I mean. It's that gonzo attitude that we've been loving in All-Star Batman. Um, and uh, Batman's even a bit more edgy in, in this, in his dialogue. He's, he's, he sounds a bit more like the all-star Batman version uh, than the regular one, but it's, it, it's just super fun and you're getting all the toys to play with. And as we predicted around, this is, this is about Hawkman and the nth metal. And 
Uh, we've got the Blackhawks. We've got Red Tornado. We've got even old 90s Starman in here. Yep. Um, and then uh, the big reveal that was very controversial, and again, spoiler warning, is that on the final page we get uh, Dream of the Endless shows up. And, you know, somewhat controversial. However, Vertigo is back with DC. We all know that. And also Daniel showed up in JLA back in the 90s in Grant Morrison's uh, run to much acclaim. So I just I thought this was great. I loved seeing Capullo drawing everyone. I know uh, he doesn't like to do it. <laughs> he's, very, he's very open about not enjoying drawing this series from a labor standpoint, but uh, he's <laughs> terrific. Uh, his Mongol was awesome. No one draws the Batman costume that he designed quite like he does. Um, and it was just really nice to be with these creators again and telling a sort of really fun, off-the-wall, uh, hard-charging DC story with all with you know the main Justice League characters. Although... If the, any, the only criticism I really had was that he really does not do the Flash, terrible Flash costume well. Well, but, no one, uh, no one does really, right? <laughs> other than Gian Domenica. Oh uh, no, and Howard Porter. Did, I, I, I'll yeah. give, I'll give credit to Howard Porter. So. But uh, this was, you know, it, it didn't feel so much like a first issue because we've already had two Prelude ones. But uh, I liked the weird Plastic Man egg, you know, appearance. I just liked everything about this. I mean, I mean, the thing this this felt this felt big, you know, like yeah. this, this 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 is I mean, this is an event. This is how an event should feel. It's like with DC, you've got you know you've got this pantheon of characters to pull from, and you've got this idea of the Justice League. And I'm not reading the current Justice League books right now, which I think is honestly like the first time in. 15 years I think I started re- I'm really. not either yeah not wow either. that's yeah that's right that's even more amazing yeah and so and so for me this is like cool this is a Justice League story awesome and like Justice League story should have Plastic Man and Hawkman and Hawkgirl and, and Blackhawks and and all that crazy stuff like this this definitely felt honestly this felt like early 2000s DC yeah which and it, also had a, had a fun map in it uh, and that you yeah. can't go wrong with a fun map. The multiverse map, which I which I zoomed in on on my iPad and, and went looked around in, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I appreciate who, whoever put this together from a design standpoint. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that 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 multiverse map came from Multiversity. Yeah, I think yeah, so that, too. That, that was a yeah, that was an asset from Grant's Multiversity project. I just mean whoever in in yeah. universe made this. Sure, map. yeah, yeah. And I like and that. This, I like that. Then they, we looked at the other map after they flipped it over, and it's just a, a plain black piece of paper. <laughs> It's, it's just, a deep it's just, metaphor. It's just black. It's none. It, it's 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 almost like a mirror. It's so black. <laughs> it could be none more black. <laughs> none more black. Um, but uh, you know, I thought this was fun. I, I I don't I don't know if it would have been my pick of the week, but I don't have the affinity with the characters that you do. Um, mm-hmm. It was great to see Snyder and Capullo back. I guess Capullo's back from Miller World, and so you know now back on the DC train. Um, you know, I, I yes, it's goofy, but I like the Justice League Voltron. I, any, 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 I loved it. Yeah, any, I a, saw it coming like a page ahead of time, and I went, "Oh God, everyone's gonna love this." Right. <laughs> <laughs> we loved it. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I this, I, I, I give this. It was mostly good for me. It was mostly good. I'll tell you what was impressive to me. If you gave me this and you said who wrote this, I would never say Scott Snyder in a million years, and I'm really impressed by that. Yeah, it's way more superhero-y than... It's way more than anything he's done at all, including, you know, All-Star Batman. You can see it's a process how that led to this, but I I, I was like, wow, he's just doing superheroes. Like, it's... However, it is still the... Uh, let's go back and find the legacy of all the origin point, the spark of all of these things, and how it is now. And I'm super tired of that. Yeah, nothing wrong with well, it. That's, that's a just, trope. That's a trope, right? I know yeah, that, that, that that's what it is. That's what. I, maybe it was Straczynski that ruined that for me. But um, <laughs> he just ruined everything. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that he left. So who gives a shit? I'm gonna quit uh, comics. <laughs> Cheers. Um, like I, it was fine. I, I, it wasn't like my favorite thing, but it was it was good what it was. I liked, I was impressed by the the sort of pivot on um, the stories that Scott Snyder's been doing. Like I feel like he got influenced by like, let's just do some crazy shit. Which, I like which, that. Which yeah, which which I which I absolutely like. I know it is it's, it is not it, it, that is not something. All I think all three of us. I think it's a yeah. surprise. All three of us like just have fun. Just go go crazy with it. We I mean, all. Can, caught that bug it's at some point along the spectrum <laughs> we're like okay enough what do you got <laughs> yeah exactly and, and also like the title dc i'm sorry i keep calling it dc metal dark knight's metal 
you can hear sort of a driving metal soundtrack behind these the pacing of this story and the pacing of yeah no I could hear I could hear Mastodon underneath this while I'm reading this yeah that that, that I don't it. I don't hear metal <laughs> all right you know like some people don't see color I right. don't hear metal <laughs> can't <laughs> but <a> superpower <laughs> it's it's whatever that whatever that tone he picked up for that first that first storyline of of uh, All Star Batman that 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 Two Face one. Yeah. Uh, it's it's here in this book, and I like that. But it's toned down a little bit, but it's still there. Um, and you know, we're, it's going to get weird. It's going there's there's metal versions of Batman coming from the multiverse and whatever. I I just like to see these characters together. I like to see Capullo draw them, and I I think Snyder is is terrific. Um, it's not looking at the checklist. It's not overwhelming. This will go until February. The six, it's this, not this, overwhelming. It's August. Well, September. <laughs> listen, it's only half a year. It's not overwhelming. That's that, listen. That's six months and six issues. What do you want? That's, yeah, that's what fair, we want. That's fair. But there's all those other books too that are going with it, right? Right. Um, but there's going to be a six issue miniseries, which I hopefully completely will draw all of, and hopefully you won't, you won't need to read any more than that. But you know, it's so. There, here's a question: Are you going to read it all? No, I'm going to read the ones. I'll read the special issues like Dark Knights. Um, I'm sorry, Batman the Dawnbreaker or Batman the Murder Machine, but I'll only read the crossovers that affect the books I'm reading, like Nightwing and Green Arrow, Flash. Um, but I won't read Justice yeah. League or Teen so Titans. You're doing my approach at Marvel, where I just read what I read and try to piece it together. Um, right. Are you reading? Is Scott Snyder writing any of this after this issue, or is it all story by him with and written by James Tinian? James Tinian. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Because that, that's, a t- that's, a, that's a tired game, let's be honest. <laughs> also, there may be a spoiler in this checklist in that Hawkman Found number one comes out in December. <laughs> oh, come so. on. <laughs> what do you think I happens li- to Hawkman in that? <laughs> I like how Hawkman is like the albatross of the DCU, and it, and it breaks he breaks every talented DC creator. No one is able to do this. Yeah. Everyone has tried. Um. But uh, actually, that comes out right around the time we're, we're going to be off, so we won't be talking about that issue. But anyway, uh, oh, we'll find I, I, a, we'll find a way. If Hawkman's been found, we're going to need to talk about it. Have to do a special edition podcast on that. <laughs> um, I I just I think this became the pick of the week when they were at the Blackhawks headquarters and there was a p- painting of '90s Starman. Yep, and I, I, like, I didn't. We're going in deep. Well, that's the thing. That's the Small thing is that like, there was there was a couple of nods to. I mean, wasn't there? There was there was an editor's note that was "See the '90s." Yes, right. I love which, that. Which That's was very funny, right? Yeah, I love the entire book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also, like I said, uh, this the the feeling of this book felt like a book DC hasn't done for a very long time. This felt like before '52 DC kind of stories, you know, like so, uh, you know, definitely '90s, early 2000s vibe to it. So yeah, it was super fun. I enjoyed it. This was a good. Pretty good week of comics, but on, on a pretty good week, this is the one I'm most, most excited for and the one I enjoyed the most. All right. Uh, but uh, strangely, Ron, um, even though I still don't know what the fuck it is, I th- I enjoyed Generations Wolverine, all new Wolverine, the most of all the Generations books so far. Um. Y- yes, I could. I could. I could see that. I enjoyed it as well. I think Tom Taylor really has a great handle on on Laura Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Um, I I still don't. I, aside from the fact that we don't understand how these characters are just being plopped in the past, I also don't understand how easily uh, the older characters are just going with it. And yeah, I, 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 yeah, and I yeah. understand. I understand it's a it's a world where spectacular things happen. And Wolver, you know, and at one point Wolverine's like, "What are you altered a dimension from the future? What?" You know, right. but at this point in Wolverine's career, where he's in the yellow and uh, yellow and the black costume, and he's just fighting ninjas, at that point he should be like, "Wait a minute!" You know, like he would like he just kind of right. goes with it. You know, uh, you're my daughter. Yeah. Exactly. Um, like, you, all, it, why are you wearing my costume? Like, it, like a litany of questions that never get asked. Is she his daughter? She's uh, she's a clone daughter. Clone. Yeah. That's not the same. Well, but, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, she's had modifications. Artist, she's had modifications. So. Well, so is half of LA. Ramon <laughs> Rosanes, uh, very heavy Kevin McGuire vibe. Yeah, yeah. Which li- was interesting. Yeah, I liked I liked the art a lot. I thought it was good. Drew, drew lots of ninjas very well. So, um, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck this is, but I, I enjoyed this one. I, I finished. it. I was like, well, that was fun. This one, this one to me got way more. 
emotional because it's definitely had to do with it really had to do generations and relationships and things like that. Um, But what I also don't understand was at some point, so Wolverine's in the middle of something and she shows up and yes, she helps him with the fight, but then she like knows what's going on. She's like, let's just go find a Kiko. And it's like, how do you know that's what he's doing? Like there was a lot that was just presumed, you know, like, yeah, they, they I get were, that. yeah, like when they're in the in the shipping, when they're fighting the ninjas, she says, "Hopefully, he'll lead us to Akiko." Come on! And at no point does does he like? How does she even? I don't know. Just it's lots of questions, lots of questions. Well, I think this one had more weight to it because this was actually a generational story, as a father and daughter story, as opposed yeah. to just yeah. uh, Jean Grey, young and old, and then two random hulks. Yeah, and there was there was a weight to this one. Listen, um, two random hulks walk into a bar. <laughs> in fact, Two Random Hulk should be the title of the book from now on. I, w- I would read that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but it was good. It was definitely, I mean, again, these are good stories. I would 100% that I- read that. <laughs> these, these are- I, I want to pitch that. Oh, <laughs> uh, Hulk is the tiredest one there is. <laughs> Two Random Hulks. Um, but the thing is, it's Hungrier like- Hulk get, madder Hulk get. And hung- Hulk not have energy like he used no, to. But then, then you've got like art school Hulk. You know, we haven't just, had, <laughs> new character in forever. Right? No, it could be. It's, it could be like uh, what's kind of Hulk? No, it could be. It, it could be like uh, Tom Cavanaugh on The Flash, where every time he's a, a different version yes. of his character, right? It could be. Yeah. Like, you've got you know like historian Hulk, and then you've got Chef Hulk, and you've got like <laughs> board barista Hulk. Board, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Lady Hulk. Oh, wait, we already have that. Um, you see these medical bills Hulk get. <laughs> Um, no, but these generation stories are like the stories themselves as one-offs are, have been good. It just, I don't get what the premise is and it's the same put on repeat. So that's it. Um, well, I was very excited this week because after getting the tease of mage, the hero denied number zero, which was like a eight page story or whatever, we get the first, we get the first full issue of mage, the hero denied number one. And uh, one of probably my favorite work of Matt Wagner in his career. I'm so glad that he's back onto it. And I have to applaud him for continuing um, the legacy that Mage is basically just Kevin Matchstick is just him and being honest about his hairline. <laughs> well, you don't you don't often get super superheroes of great genetics. You don't often get any who lose their hair. Yeah, yeah. but. Uh, I will to be say fair, this. though, look at that shoulder to waist ratio. It's true. It's true. <laughs> if you, I think male pattern baldness is okay when you have five percent body fat. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a not weird, but there's a very strong affinity for this book. I was, you know, my, our buddy Mike Romo walked in my office and saw this on my desk, and he went, "Oh, did they reprint yeah. it?" I said, "No, it's new." And he went, "What?" Like. Yeah. This is this was, he said one of his all-time favorite comics. He he um, has like Matt Wagner really did tap into something when he created this character with the with the black t-shirt with the white lightning bolts, just like the the iconography and the the that the, t-shirt is like at, when we first started going to cons. Yep, like that t-shirt was everywhere, but nobody seemed to be reading or like knew about it. Like well, well, you saw it every well, yeah, because he he had done, he had done a series in the nineties and and it was gone at that point when we started going yep. to cons. Yeah, so um, but uh, the he it it taps into something and and whether it's you know the fact that it ties to Pendragon lore or you know Arthur Pendragon lore like you know King Arthur stuff. Or, like, I don't know what it is, but there's something about this book that is just, like, accessible to me. Like, I get it, and it's always wonderful. I'll tell you something. Um, when I was reading it, there's he's got a lot of time uh, with his little bowl cut kid here. And um, <laughs> yeah, I, the way that their relationship was written, very, very basic. It was, it was, I was like, this guy's a dad. Yeah. Like, I really got, the, I don't, I don't know anything about Matt Wagner, but I just, like, it felt authentic. Like sometimes people write parents and kids, and I'm like, oh, that person doesn't know what they're talking about. And it was super subtle, but for something about me, I was like, oh, that's that. This feels really authentic the way that he's talking to the kid, and the way that the, you know, like just the way that he drew it, and the way that it had them interact. I thought was was really nice. Um, it was funny is that at the end, there's those those villains who are the like the women, the yeah. five whatever they are, and there's that one with the frizzy hair. And all of a sudden, I was like, that is some '90s shit. <laughs> that <laughs> image. Yeah, is so of of a different time with that kind of hair, just that that one who's in the foreground with the with the big frizzy hair and like the outfit and everything. Well, it's, it was very... it's like Alan Davis. You never, yep. You never really move on from your thing. Yeah, I didn't even notice the page at the end where he's. It's a picture of him half as the character and half as himself. Yeah, I just saw that. Um, 
So, so this is interesting. So, Ron, you've read all of the Mage before. Yep. yep. And Josh, you've read none. I've no, I've re- I read it. Uh, I read bought a couple it? of the. I think there were like three mini trades, and I think I had either two or all three of them. I forget, but I've definitely read it. I don't remember it all that well, but I definitely went after it because it was that image was so pervasive. I was like, I feel like I need to know about that. Yeah. And I have that action figure that's in the back. It's great. I've never, I've never read any of it, but I enjoyed it. Um, I, I would, I would say, I mean, I, I like we like we talked about when the Zero issue came out. The '80s stuff is a little rougher because it's '80s, and the art style is way more like the colored pencil kind of coloring kind of thing. Um, the '90s series was just like rubber meet the road, spot on, like the right combination of art and coloring and production. Like I, that's the one. Maybe it's because the first one I read, and that's what you know kind of connected me with. But like this story done in that kind of style, and it, uh, you know, like it, it just it looked looked great. Um, this looks like in reading it, it looks like he's trying to merge the two. Like he's trying to somewhat go back with the look and feel of it to have like a little more of that '80s fanciful kind of like the light coloring approach. Um, but his his art is as good as ever. Yeah, that's no no question. Yep, so, what really would nice. you tell people who haven't read it? What is the overall story of this saga? This is a third. Yeah, volume I mean, of this book. I, I mean, basically, so it's, Kevin Kevin Matchstick uh, has uh, has the power of of Arthur of Pendragon. Basically, he can in, in the second series it's a baseball bat, but now in this series we find he can take anything and light it up with the power. Make of Make it Excalibur. into Excalibur. Make it into Excalibur, and then in this issue he just grabs a twig with some leaves on it and energizes it. And that that's what I really liked about this. That's such a subtle thing. Because in the last series, the big deal was made. He needed his bat. Like he would carry around like that um, army kind of a rucksack, like long uh, laundry bag type thing, and that's where he kept the bat in. And he always needed the bat. The bat was his weapon. That's what he thought the bat was. What was Excalibur? But turns out Excalibur was inside him. And so the subtle, <laughs> the subtle change with this issue that he doesn't carry a bat around, but he can just ignite anything when he needs to, shows an evolution of the character. Time has passed. Like, really great device. Really, really good device. But um, so basically he, he's got the power of Excalibur. And um, and he is considered a, a mage. That's another thing which I forgot until reading about this is that the um, I love the device of he's got this magical ATM card and goes to an ATM machine and that's where he can <laughs> he can communicate with Merlin or you know the other magical forces that are driving him. But it's that he's been cut off for a while and he's supposed to find a third mage and uh, I guess that's what's going to happen in in the series. So uh, and but now he's got a kid and a wife and and they're on the run. This is you're burying the lead that he also gets. Cat- Cash. He does get cash. Yes, he gets. Yes, unlimited cash. So. But I like. I like the. I like the idea that the kid. The kid saw him fight the little um, banshees, and then the kid. He's, he's his kid is in the car when they go to the ATM, and he's like, "Why do you always talk to the ATM?" And, and like the kid's starting to notice it, right? And like I feel like that's very realistic. Like you can't have this kind of thing without you know if you're shuffling your kid around town, he's gonna notice at some point. I, I like that. So. True. It was good. Yeah. It was good. And the art, and he's was. a terrific artist. I like him as he's a great cartoonist. He's one of my, I always really enjoyed his work uh, whenever he's done other stuff. So yeah. it's funny because it doesn't really feel like anything else that's out no. there, but we know that there is a pedigree behind it. So you can be like, well, let's, we can, we can get into this. You can stick it and know that it's probably going to pay off in some way because it's already proven out. He's, he's proven track record as a good. Right. right so, right. so, you know, yeah. you, you can keep reading this and sort of look forward to it instead of some of the other stuff that's a little more wishy washy. Right. I like it. So we got the origin of the purple narrator guy in Astro City 46. Very we, have a, cur- we have a lot to go over here. I know. Let's sit down. Let's get comfortable. Okay. Go. <laughs> so he's the, there's, a, there's a musical the sp- avatar. The spirit of music. This, the spirit of music. And then this one, this purple guy who's been talking to us, who's not the Sandman the entire time, is like the... 80s David Bowie version? Yep. Yeah. Yes. But he's also like some sort of power cosmic thing. Yes. All right. I'll so go there was a lot to go over. I I I, I suppose. I okay, then we're good. I really like this. But he's talking to idea, us. I really I, like the idea of the character who represents whatever is in the zeitgeist of the musical revolution at the time. So there's a jazz version and there's yeah. a beat, there's sort of a beat right. version, a this 60s hippie version. It could be that it could be that Astro City takes place in the 80s. I mean, there's nothing that says it doesn't. Yeah, it's true. Hmm. Hmm. Um, or maybe it's stuck in that version for some reason. 
I, I, it looks awesome. Here's the thing. This started, and as it was starting, and as I got to the middle, I was like, what the fuck is this? And I was hating it. And as I got to the end of it, I, I was like, I love this book. I think that's been the case with this purple dude the whole time. Yeah. Yep. You remember that first issue he showed up and then we were all like, well, you can't win them all. Yeah. <laughs> and then like he showed up again later and we're like, all right, this. And then at the beginning of this one, I saw the, the purple and white lettering and I thought, yeah, all right. But at the well, same the- time, we got we got some sweet prime Jack in the box. Yep. We got, we got, got some great Brent Anderson and Confessor. Some great Brent Anderson, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's – and also this, it's fourth wall breaking – you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, basically his he's I think I think the guy that we're seeing, the yellow skin guy was like the 70s glam avatar and whatever happened to him stopped the avatar from progressing. And he's oh. try, he's trying to change that. And he figured out the only way is I, I can see you. And there's the panel of him looking out through the panel and the words, which was awesome, back, which was great. Right. And, you know, and he goes on and he's saying how I can use you to, to you know, and he's taking notes and all this sort of stuff. And he's failing, though. And I like how, and then he wonders, he's like, you know, you know, what would have, you know, what would have happened? What would a punk's avatar have been? Would there have been a death metal one? You know, like, so this stopped in the seventies at some point. And mm-hmm. what is that? And what does that mean for what's been going on um, in Astro City and, and, and in his little world? It seems like he's stuck in whatever, in whatever limbo yeah. in that house is with his Lego mom. Right. It, it's, the, the imagination of of Kurt, Kurt Busiek is boundless. I was I gotta say there was actually a, a, there's a bit at the end where he says, "Yeah, we've been running behind because I've been sick," and I was just like, "Oh no, yeah, not not again, man." I just I don't want him to be sick, obviously, but uh, it's right. sad. So I hope he I hope he's feeling much better because uh, yeah, this has been sort of an unparalleled run. I mean, this this really felt to me like when when he's talking about you know the. He's talking about the other avatars and saying how, you know, like they that he he had a life, a childhood, a family, and the other characters didn't have any of those things. It just manifested. It came from our hearts, from our dreams, from us. Like it's very whatever. I don't know what ha- is happening here, mm-hmm. but it's passionate, and that's what I'm tying into. Like that. That's what that. Yep. That's what I think made me. When I ended it, I get I get nothing but passion coming out of it. So sure. Maybe you're reading a different comic than me. No, maybe. <laughs> Um, the Ubar, Obar, Obar, Oh, I was like, what are you talking? That's the about? that's the villain like, of that, that did whatever the Ouroboros. The Ouroboros, yeah, I don't know, yeah. So I feel like they came up a couple times this week and a bunch of stuff. I like to see the Confessor and Samaritan like I, hang, hanging out like Superman and Batman. I I'm happy anytime Jack in the Box showed up, and I don't know why. Yep, I love that character. Um, it's great. All right, so the road trip in Superman is over. The history lesson's over. Yeah. Whatever. That horrible part of it's over. And so this issue, we have uh, Keith Champagne on his own with no uh, Pete Tomasi, which I don't know is a good idea. I have a theory about this issue. Go on. I think it's one of those, it's in the drawer stories they've got in case they need to fill. It just felt like that. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't a regular writing team. Uh, it was sort of an on-its-own thing. I, I thought it was fine. I didn't love it, but I thought it was fine, I, especially after the last couple issues. But it just felt like fill-time issue. I thought the concepts and the things that were happening were fine and good enough, and I don't really want to parallax Superman because it feels like a lot of other things are moving forward. I thought the dialogue was not good. Like it was I, very clunky. I think not, the thing not I like awful, but the thing I like most about it was that it was uh, Sinestro Superman. I, I always like when the okay. heroes and villains who fight each other are don't often, you know, it's, it's other people's villains sure. and heroes. Um, usually they're very polite about that. They don't usually cross over, you know. Mm-hmm. Doctor Doom says, you know what, I'm a Fantastic Four guy. I'm not going to fight Spider Man. But uh, I like when that happens. It's it's unusual at least. But it just felt very much like, oh, we have this in the in the drawer in case we have a delay yeah. or something like that. That's what it felt like to me. Uh, and finally, Doug, Doug Monkey's great. But the anchor's He's fantastic. And there was the only three of them, so that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> you made me. I think you made me feel a little better about it. Well, First, I was going to be like, oh, this is terrible. But it wasn't that terrible. I just we have to keep talking about Superman. You're all just going to have to deal with it. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> All right, then. What you're also going to have to deal with is T-shirts. 
Uh, as you can, uh, bad segue. Uh, as we've been talking about over the past uh, couple of weeks, we have launched a, a t-shirt shop uh, over at ifanboy.threadless.com with our friends over at Threadless. Uh, and we've got very exciting things to share with you. First off, of course, you can already get the classic iFanboy logo and the Herm shirt, as well as uh, our newer designs like the Pick of the Week podcast and the rating shirt. Uh, but we recently launched the If One is Electro dot 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 shirt. Uh, that is all the rage. All the kids are loving the uh, the, the number one electro T-shirt. Uh, but what's even better is that listen, Threadless loves you guys so much that they're offering free shipping until August 26th. So if you've been waiting to pull the trigger, you can get free shipping now. Uh, just use code free F nine one six B two. Not to worry. If you go to ifanboy.threadless.com, that code is right there at the top, so you don't need to remember that. Uh, but code free F nine one six B two. Um, and you can get free shipping on your t-shirts. We thank everyone who's ordered it so far. I got to say, I'm shocked and proud at the sales numbers on that Electro shirt, guys. It's almost eclipsed the rating shirt. It's crazy. Which is ratings. crazy. Crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's flying off ratings. the shelves in a way that we haven't seen it since the original Herm shirt. Yep. Fantastic. So thanks everybody for that support. And if you don't want to buy a t-shirt, but you do want to you don't want to help support iFanboy, keep the lights on here. Uh, we appreciate everybody who does that. You can go to iFanboy.com slash support. Uh, there there's a link to shop on Amazon. Uh, and when you when you click on that link and do any of your shopping on anything you want, we get a little kickback from Amazon. No money comes from your pocket. Uh, so we thank everybody who uses that uh, that link when they do their shopping. Um, if you'd like to give a direct donation, you can do that via PayPal. The link is there on iFanboy.com support. iFanboy.com slash support. Uh, if you are an eccentric, listen, not even eccentric billionaire, eccentric millionaire will take. I'm just saying. Eccentric millionaire Hulk. That could e be a character. Eccentric thousandaire. I'll even take that. <laughs> um, and then finally, if you want to help out iFanboy in an ongoing basis, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash iFanboy. And I say this a lot, and I know I'm kind of a broken record, but literally – the people who have supported us via Patreon are my favorite people in the world. You guys are the best. You guys amuse me with your comments on the pick on the patrons pick every week. It's great to see you involved and we can't thank you enough. And if you're listening, you're not a patron, get in on the fun. Uh, go to patreon.com slash ifanboy. You can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. Anybody who signs up for $5 or more a month gets a dumb superpower or a, a unique superpower, as we like to call it now. Um, we'll be doing that later in the show today. Um, and we're, le we're a little more, a little less. We're around $400 away from adding another podcast to the monthly schedule. So if you want to hear us talk about movies and TV and, and, and books and things like that that aren't comics, uh, sign up now. Help us get closer to that goal. We thank everyone for their support. Let's get back to the comics, guys. Would you say that the patrons outrank Josh and I? Um, Josh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Aquaman 27 <laughs> con continues whatever steroidal I injection we've got from Dan Abnett and, and uh, Steph. 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 Uh, the the book is like a whole nother book now with this with these guys telling this story. It's really been great. He's he's drawn every issue so far, uh, which is crazy. He's also doing the colors. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how long they can last or how long they've been banking this, but it's it's terrific. And uh, it's it's really like a whole new book. I can't believe I can't even believe Dan Abnett's the same guy writing from before, and it was fine before, but now it's terrific. Yeah. So if you're wondering, it's still been going on. It's 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 great. And this issue. Got a brief cameo from the Titans, so we got to see the art team do uh, the Titans, and we're getting um, Aqualad brought back into the mix, and it's 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 really good. It's really good. I'm shocked. I'm I'm shocked. How good it is. <laughs> I just I like that you're flabbergasted, but I I I, I don't know. I, I, I know I'm I've been talking about comics and analyzing them for a long time, but the fact is, I don't know right now. Okay, I, fine. And also, uh, DC has announced they are reissuing in trade form the original Peter David run, which is this very, very heavily influenced. So if you're, if you were a fan of that, or you're curious, that's coming out soon. Wasn't there wasn't there a hook hand reference in Metal, by the way, earlier? Yes, there was. I, I noticed. Yeah, which doesn't make sense from the continuity standpoint, but whatever. Nothing makes sense in the continuity I standpoint. Agree with, I agree with that. I thought this that didn't happen anymore. You know, you know, you know, cool. You know, it also doesn't make sense from a continuity standpoint. Uh, Astonishing <laughs> X-Men number two, um, because while I love the face-off between the Shadow King and Professor Xavier, pretty sure Xavier's just dead and off the board. Wasn't his brain in the Red Skull? Eh. Continuity. Well, the, I think, wasn't the whole, the whole thing... Sorry, I'm dropping things. The whole thing... <laughs> Is there an earthquake? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I... I wish you had fallen down. 
I'll just be honest with everybody. I spilled my cup of water while we've been talking all over my desk, and I've been <laughs> trying to clean things while talking to you and also not drop my phone off the edge of the desk. Um, you didn't learn anything from the first episode we ever did that when you screw something up, you make content out of it. Yeah, Own yeah. It. No, Own it's, it. it's bad. I, I spilled it in the worst possible place you could spill it. Anyway. Um, it's still working. Well, look, my, my computer's elevated. That's the only reason why it's not soaked right now, because we've been all over the computer. Um, oh, look at Mr. Elevated Computer over here. Uh... I think it said in the issue that the people who died, their their like consciousness went into the shadow realm. Didn't say that. That's why Madrox oh. is there. That's why. Uh, oh yeah, maybe he's been absorbing consciousness. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but the only other I thing- did like the meta commentary of the play they were watching. Yes, that was that was clever. Like- that was very well done. I thought the Adato's art was great, and I just want to say I called it that Mystique was beast in the last issue. Did you? I don't even remember. I did that. remember because Mystique was on the cover, but she wasn't in the book. Oh. Uh. Yeah, that classic maneuver. I did. I. I I don't know what this is, and I feel like if you're going to change artists every issue, you might as well just do one-shots. Yeah. One shots don't sell, so what the fuck do I know? But um, it's hard to do a continuing story when, when you go from, like, Diodato to, like, Ed McGinnis or whoever's the next one. Right. You know, it's, it's a very drastic tonal change. Yeah. But uh, I like this issue. Yeah, no, no uh, this is this was good. This was good. Although I still don't like the they're in the astral plane in the middle after the disaster and helicopters flying around. You know, like I guess that's putting a sense of like timing behind it or you know like urgency. But like it just seems silly. But it's comics. Comics are silly. I love War Thor. Thor twenty two, Mighty Thor twenty two was fantastic. It was more metal than anything else was metal at all this week. It was pretty. Metal. It had lava sharks. Yep. It had two Thors fighting each other. It was in Muspelheim. It was. <laughs> it was great. It was pretty. That's it was. All, it was pretty fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it was, and also like it was chock full of like that kind of dialogue that you want from everything I just said. Yeah. It was Jason Aaron just locking in to Going full a, Thor. Yeah, oh, he, just, he went full just, Thor. You know what they say? I will drink the melted flesh from your crushed bones, and on and on and on and on for just pages. That's all it was. It was great. You know, they, they said you never want to go full Thor, but uh, but Jason put, proved them wrong. I was Listen. like, wait a minute, are these lava sharks? And then later they said, no, let the lava sharks have their feast. And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> and this is the same guy who complained about uh, Voltron Justice League. And I recognize my bias. I am hypocritical. Fine with that. <laughs> so speaking of weird timing, which we talked about with, Superman in the last segment. Uh, Batwoman number not twenty nine, despite what the script says. Uh, I'm all I've lost everything. Batwoman six. This water thing really screwed me up. Uh, was a prelude to a story called Pax Batmana, in which we're in the future in where uh, Batman has a totalitarian hold on Gotham and and an older middle aged. Uh, Batwoman is is leading the resistance against him. I love these kind of future stories. However, the weird thing was, it ends and it goes to be continued in this uh, storyline. I guess a crossover between Batwoman and Detective, but after the next Detective arc, because that's the that's a Tim Drake arc. So like we get this prelude, but then we gotta wait however long, uh, however many six four issues to get to it, which was weird. That that, that doesn't seem to make sense. No. All planning. Also, uh, Batman is not Bruce Wayne. He's Tim Drake. That's right. the big reveal to him. I, I, it was good. Ooh. I liked it. It just was, I got to the end and it was like, uh, this November, Batman, Detective Comics 969, The Fall of the Batman. So I guess we have to wait till November for the next issue of that story arc. I don't know. That's weird. Weird. It was a weird thing to do. All right. Uh, Sandman special number one continues the Jack Kirby tributes, uh, playing off of the Jack Kirby version of Sandman, the yellow costume Sandman. And for me, this is all about, I got four words for you guys. Listening. Mm-hmm. John Bog- Bogdanov and Rick Leonardi. Yes. I was all about the art in both of these books. The they art. Were fantastic. Hell yeah. Yeah. I didn't great. read it, but I like what you're saying. Yeah. Art was great. It was really good. I didn't read <laughs> it either. But I looked through it, and uh, the stories were fine. They were just like kind of classic, kind of Jack Kirby esque, you know, sta- you know, like adventure kind of, st- you know, like it, you know, very, you know, it was fine. But uh, Bogdanov, great, Leonardi, great, just like yeah, for this for this old comic reader, this that was where I was at. So who can who can forget the colors of Mad Pencil? Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> 
<laughs> is, that a, is that a coloring pseudonym? I don't want my name on this book. <laughs> yes. Um, so the Ultimates 2 number 100 ended the run this week. Yep. Uh, Al Ewing, Travel Foreman, Felipe Andrade, Marco Lorenza. Um, so this is Marvel, Marvel's first, I guess, legacy numbering after, that we yeah, got. Yeah, I, th- I think so, yeah. Which I think was supposed to happen after Generations, but this book was ending with this issue. So they, is this the 100th issue of The Ultimates? Or did they just slap 100 on it? I guess this is the 100th issue of The Ultimates. That's that, That's what I assumed it was. I, I think the thing is that there's no way to know, and they just went, <laughs> let's just call it 100. <laughs> sure. Um, I always, I didn't love this. Did you read this volume, Ron? Yeah, or I did. did. Yep, yep. I didn't love this volume as much as the first one, um, but I did like the art a lot. Travel Foreman is perfect for the book. Yep. Uh, and it ended fine. I didn't, it just was I, I didn't weird. Lo- I didn't love this volume as much as Al Ewing loves Yellow Galactus. Yeah, I didn't like that. And then the essay at the end, he's like, we didn't. We were going to turn him back to purple, but we decided to keep him. And he's much more interesting as yellow. I was like, no, he's not. He's, yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> he's better as purple. Yep. He's, he, ugh, whatever. It's fine. He'll go back eventually. But it was just weird that they would renumber it early just because it was the final issue. Um, felt like a weird kick in the balls. Got to goose those quarterly numbers any way you can. Yep. Uh, so quickly over in Star Wars corner, uh, Star Wars number 34. I know I've been very critical of Salvador LaRocca oh. up oh, to this point. Bad. And I know that it, it, that continued with this issue, but if you're going to use photorealism, I'm going to give you a pass if it involves Lando. Really? <laughs> because every page with Lando on this book, I just laughed and said it in Billy D voice and I loved it. <laughs> so I went with it. So, uh, like I, when I say it was bad, like the issue was fine. Yeah. It was okay. Yeah. The faces were horrendous. Well, like, no, but, but it was just straight up Billy know, D. And every I know, time. Like, I really noticed like the sort of grayish claymation faces yeah. that were too perfect. I, what, we, I, very weird. I, I really enjoyed the meeting with the Imperials. So the whole premise is that Sana, sure. uh, Sana, Sana's on a heist and she's, you know, she's, she's scamming pirates and the Imperials and everything to get credits and all this sort of stuff. And Lando's helping her. And they go to a meeting with the Imperials and she basically sells Lando out. And it's him going, you like, no, no, not, not me. And like, it was like, I could hear Billy D saying that, you know, like, <laughs> point that to thing at her. He had a, you know? <laughs> he had a what, did, yeah. what did Billy D do to get thrown in Star Wars jail? Because he's not in the new movies, right? No, he's not. And he's wonderful. Like, he should be. They should yeah. bring Lando in the second film. Yeah, that's sad. Unless it's a surprise, and I'll be really excited. But We'll see. But uh, anyway, I, I enjoy I, LaRocca drawing Billy D f- f- photo reference. Fine. Fine. Because, <laughs> because I can do the I voice. Like, I can do the voice. Again, I like your attitude on this. I'm yeah. coming around. All right. No, but seriously, that those faces all need to stop. Yes, they need to put the dude that's on the other book on it. Put the cartoony guy on. Kev Walker? <laughs> No, not Kev Walker. Kev Walker's great, but the other guy that was working with um, Kieran Gillen on the Screaming Citadel book, remember that was like the, it was an Italian name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It was an Italian It was really good. Yep. You're right. Yep. We need Does to be back in the, yeah. the imminent approach. Yes, the imminent approach. Yep. So those are the books we wanted to talk about this week. If you are a patron at patreon.com slash ifanboy, every patron gets a vote every week to add a book to the rundown. This week, by a wide margin, this pick was Spy Seal number one by Rich Tomasi, Tommaso, Tommaso. Uh, from Image Comics. It's really interesting. Well, it's an Image so number one, people. so it has the... Has no, the... I say that because like, we, get, we, we see Image books, and I see Rich Tommaso books all the time, and I tend to gloss over them because, whatever reason, there's an aesthetic of them that is not appealing to me for, for whatever reason, um, but no one's ever mentioned one ever. So it's weird. Well, there was there, there was a bit of a dust up because he he was very disappointed in the sales numbers for this book, and this the, this book Spy Seal number one uh, did not get a lot of support from retailers and that sort of thing. Which honestly, I'm not surprised, that especially after that doesn't seem surprising at all. Yeah, yeah, especially after seeing the book and stuff like that. But that said, I thought this was delightful. Really, I, I, I mean, because <laughs> I, 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 I went, I totally, I went in with this. I thought this was great. I don't think it's an image book. No, you know, um, but, but apparently he's one of those guys. He's got, he can do books with them because it's been a lot. Yeah, it, I it, thought I thought this was right. plotting. Um, it, it's similar in aesthetic to Wild's End, the book that we talked about a lot when Ron wasn't on the show and when Paul was the host. Yep. Um, 
you know, anthropomorphic a- animals in, in England, that that was more of a sci-fi small town vibe. But I thought that had a lot of charm and wit, whereas yeah. this was very, very stilted, I thought, and plotting. This felt, I mean, th- this absolutely felt like trying to do a Tintin-esque book. Okay. I'll give you that. Absolutely. I mean, like, like, like with no, no transparency whatsoever. And I thought it, I, I still enjoyed it and thought it was fun and somewhat wacky. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I did not, I did not see through it for what it was attempting to be. Or I did, you know. I, yeah. I think the aesthetic of it was exactly what I had suspected when I never read any of the things that he'd done before. Yeah. Um, in that, the art. Like if you like this aesthetic, if you like this this sort of style, then it's exactly what you want. Um, it, it's not all that dynamic. It's pretty straightforward. It has a certain uh, quality to it, where it's you know sort of basic drawn lines, flat colors. Uh, you know, it just there was there was nothing that made it stand out. The plot wasn't particularly interesting in terms of this kind of story. Characters weren't particularly witty or funny or whatever. It's just if you like this kind of thing, then you will continue to like this kind of thing. Exactly. Like I really, I really like the art style. I like the clean line art style. You know, like and and to me, it feels like this book should be at drawn a quarterly. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. Yep. I just, I think I needed something else in here to hook me like something in the plot that may go, oh wow, I didn't see that. You know, right. or or something about one of the characters or something funny or interesting that just wasn't quite there. Now, when I caveat that, I was really happy that this was the pick because it was a different book than the kind yes. of things that we've been reading. And I was like, all right, good. This is this is kind of what I had in mind when we were going to start doing this. So I was glad to have read it. Um, but I didn't really like it. Okay. All that much. <laughs> I, didn't not, like, I did not like it. I wasn't like, that was garbage. I just thought... It, it didn't have a- an authenticity of voice that, that Wild's End had. It's like when you go into a, a new restaurant. You're like, this part looks great, and you get the food. And how was it? It was fine. You know, wasn't super exciting. Probably wouldn't go back to the restaurant. Like that kind of thing. That's how it felt to me. You used, um, used answered the second question then. Yeah. Well, oh shit! Spoilers. <laughs> but I, I do feel like there is an audience that likes this kind of thing, and it's the drawn and quarterly audience. Most yeah. Probably. Right. Exactly. And, yep. Yep. And I, I, I think it's very possible that this is communicating something that I am not picking up on. I feel a you're, little like you're that. saying it's your fault. It could be. Like I said, it's not bad. It's not. It's not poorly done. It's just not speaking to me. All right. So ratings, ratings, ratings. Connor, ratings. Uh, two and a half. I'm gonna give it a f- four. Wow, three. Okay, sticking with it. No. Yes. Maybe. All I think right. that's a game time thing. If it if it it's one of those weeks that I, I might I might check it out again because I, I you know I I want to like it. How's that? Right. Okay. All right. There you go. All right. So there you go. There's a patron pick. Go to Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. You can join up, vote in the book, and as we mentioned before, they have their own Facebook group that they've started that we are monitoring for subversive activity. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdos. I love it. Oh, it's good. It's so, good. Actually, it's got a little bit of a vibe of the old fanboy to it. They post other stuff, and cool. It's nice. It's a little community there. Um, we we can sprout a community. We can do that every week. Of course, speaking of those patrons, we thank a few people who have supported us, and we're going through the list. People, we're we're going as fast as we can. Um, you can of course support us over there at Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy, and you are going to get. A special superpower that we have uh, that we have crafted, handcrafted, just for you—an art, artisanal superpower. First up is Eric Reynolds, um, and when <laughs> and when he chooses to, uh, his speaking voice is completely identical to Curtis Armstrong's. Wow, eighties <laughs> eighties character actor and sideman Curtis Armstrong. You may know him as Booger. Or whatever the name of his character was on Moonlighting. What era, Curtis Armstrong? It's whatever he chooses. He can he can he can sound exactly like Curtis Armstrong. So if you know you, you know he could get by on just doing answering machine messages for people that are that are really into Curtis Armstrong. (laughs) Yeah, there's I think I think there's a lot more people than you would suspect. I'm I'm not I'm I'm gonna agree with you. Yeah, so Uh, he's delightful. 
as long as you don't watch the latter Revenge of the Nerds, and you just Revenge of the Nerds is nice. Nerds Eye. Uh, yeah. All right. Cool. And Jeffrey Conway um, always lights the match on the first strike. Oh, just like one try match light. One try, it's lit. Is that luck or skill or power? No, it's just it's just no matter what. Okay. It's always lights. All right. It just happens. Doesn't have to do it two or three, four times. Doesn't throw the match away. Start a new one up. Curse at the grill. Like he's always on there. First one. Fascinating. Okay. Also, also he can strike it against anything in the light. Oh, then that's definitely magic because that goes beyond the bounds of chemistry. All right. Well, there it is. Yeah. Um, bonus. So Adam Wilson, um, he's got a very specific shape shifting power in that his hands and feet can shape shift into big overinflated tires, and he can lay down horizontally and drive away. You. Okay, go ahead, and I'm, then I'm going. The okay, go ahead. Well, no, that's it. I mean, like imagine, no, I, yeah. uh, imagine like the Looney Tunes style, like the big gray tire with the patch on it or whatever. That his yeah. hands and feet can can shape shift into that, and then he can go brrr, and just drive away. Okay, so so it's funny that you said that. Okay, Uh-oh. because Ian Rainey has the power of of uh, morphing into a racehorse, but what I see in my mind. Is that kid in the cartoon that would turn into the red sports car? Yes. <laughs> and his hands would blow up into the tires and go down. But it's that, but like with a horse. But you also basically reference that kid. Yes. What was it, Turbo Kid or something like that? <laughs> that you blew my mind. That wasn't what I was thinking of, but you're absolutely right. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's creepy. <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking more like the amazing stories about the World War II crew, where they, they the landing gear was broken, and the 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 gunner was also a cartoonist, and he draws the wheels into existence. Wow! Do you remember that one? Amazing stories, going I mean, deep. I remember the show, but yeah. So, all right. Well, look at that. Magic happens every episode. This is what happens, guys. So. <laughs> Go to patreon.com slash ifanboy, sign up, get your own super magical, wonderful power. Um, and we thank everyone for their support. On to the email. Our first email comes from Patrick from North Carolina. It says, I'm, I was wondering about cancellations of series. I remember you all have discussed the process for books getting canceled and focuses on, focuses on how many issues are sold to retailers. If I recall as well, you mentioned that digital sales and trade paperback sales like Barnes & Noble do not always play a role. Is that still the case? If so, why don't com- comic companies care about digital sales or bookstore sales? I've been thinking about this since October 29th of last year. <laughs> all right, that's fair. Yeah. Well, so, so to correct you, Patrick, they absolutely do care about book sales. Absolute book, book, the book market is the future of the comics business. Um, so they absolutely are looking at those um, online sales. But do they look at them before they decide? Like you know, books are often canceled before they get collected because the, the issue sales weren't there. Yeah. So I, I I think what what you see is you see the you see there's potential for a book might have potential to do well in the book market, but not in the direct market, and so they'll mm-hmm. deal with low issue sales numbers to get to the book market. That's happening more for sure. Yeah. The, the the market has changed even in the last year. Yes. Yep. Since October 29th of last year. The uh, the I think the only growth is the only growth left is in tra- is in books. I I that's right. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, digital is flat. Digital is not something that is a game changer. Digital is not something that's going to save a book. Um, they look at digital numbers, but also there's a. Uh, let's just say the, the, the ability to look at those numbers and use them to make assessments to affect publishing has not quite been perfected, at least last I heard. So, What does that mean, Ron? <laughs> just leave it at that. <laughs> but like, the ability to get data about digital sales and have it affect publishing decisions, the two are not mm-hmm. aligned in, in a timeline kind of, you know, so... But they're not. But they're not big enough. They haven't proved big enough to move the needle on books, as, right. for the most part. Right. Exactly. So, um, the books must be going up, though. Digital numbers. I mean, everything I hear uh, from back when I was at Image, and also more recently, is that there's a solid audience that I don't. And I don't have any insight of this. And yes, there's like a natural kind of growth, but it's not blowing up to the point of, especially with the emergence of Marvel Unlimited and Comixology Unlimited and all these kind of like that, those kind of stuff, if anything, those are driving less direct revenue. It's, it's saying, can we get more people to sign up and make pennies off each person 
or less people and make dollar. You know what I mean? Like the right. the the rev share split on those unlimited things are not creator friendly. So, do you think? Do you think that if digital was able to actually adapt their pricing to something like where it didn't have to be equal, what do you think would happen if like they could charge two dollars for digital issues and still sell physical issues? I don't do you know. Think, do you think – this is just predictive. Like, Do you think shops would actually sell less issues in a, in a significant way or, or that digital would get bigger? I, I wonder what the math is on that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either, and I think I that's think, I feel like the people who want to read on a tablet is, are reading them on tablets. Yeah. Regardless I agree with you. I mean, unless, unless you've made the price so low, like 99 cents, that people couldn't ignore it. Um, that's just my gut feeling. I don't know. My gut feeling has always been that retailer, comic retailers are in business and do well because there are people who want to buy comic books. Mm-hmm. Like, like the thing, the object. You're selling that thing. I, I often think that when we talk about the isotope or we talk about you know Double Midnight out here, like they're selling books, which is not the same thing as selling you know digital content. Right. And I don't, I don't know what that crossover is and where the economic incentive is to go one way or the other. Yeah. Well, so what's interesting is before, like the year before digital became like a serious thing, we were t- talking to, you know, publishers and PR people and creators, and they were all saying it's going to be the book market. It's, it's going to happen. We all know it's going to happen. And then digital came along and sort of messed that up for a while. But now we've, we've come back around to that being the future again. Yeah. For some kinds of books. Well, I mean, it's, you know, they're not gaining sales in the issue format. The only place they're gaining is in book format. Sure, that's true. It's, yeah. It might change. It might well, change. What, so what I mean when I say some books are like, that's going to benefit some kinds of things, but not others. So where you see like, like you know, they can make a career out of The Wicked and the Divine because of that book market, you know, low tier superhero books are not going right. to be able to survive. In that right. Way. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Yes. That, yeah. Yes. That, that, that's absolutely right, Josh. I mean, like it'll be franchises. It'll be like the movies. It'll be like whatever the biggest yeah. names are will survive. Yep. Right. You'll, you'll have Batman collection or books, but not, uh, Batwoman. Yep. Yeah. Or yeah. Anything that doesn't have or a Nightwing really defined or, ni- Yeah. Yeah. A niche. I was about to say devil moon girl and devil dinosaur. I thought actually, no, that probably no, that, works in a book market where, or, or like Mr. Miracle will work in a book market because it's a prestige thing. Like you've got to have a niche, but mid, uh, I'm trying to think super sons, super sons, uh, uh, Ms. Marvel, not at Ms. Marvel. No, Ms. Marvel, Marvel. Does very well, yeah. no, I know that I meant Captain Marvel, like the actual Carol Danvers book, like that kind of thing. Yeah. That probably not so much. John from Chandler, Arizona. I know the video show is a thing of the past, but damn it if I don't miss the barbecue shows. Have you thought about bringing those back as a yearly summer special? <laughs> yeah, we, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, it's a, it's a stretch goal in the Patreon. Yeah, we thought about it when we did that. <laughs> sure, it's sure, a stretch we think stretch. To sure do them we, quarterly. Sure, it's a we big think, stretch. Sure, we think about <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, I think about hanging out with these guys all the time. The fact of the matter is... I live in L.A., Josh, Ron lives in New York, Josh lives in the woods somewhere with the Unabomber, and... Well, no, but and, uh, and like, and every Ted's a nicer guy than you would think. <laughs> and every opportunity we get to, uh, to either barbecue or eat together, we take advantage of, we just don't film it, because it's for us. <laughs> We're um, taking it back. Taking them all back. It, we, it, we actually haven't barbecued together in a while. It, it, we're due for that. Without a camera in, in, in six years, we're seven years. That. Maybe, maybe we do that in October. We figure some out how some way to do that. I mean, I but, think about sure. I think about hanging out with these guys all the time. But, but uh, so, so just to just to be clear with everyone that if we can get our Patreon up to <laughs> five thousand dollars a month, which is double what we're at right now, so listen. 522 of you are supporting us as, as patrons. That's awesome. If another 500 of you come on board, we will do this once a year. We just need to account for travel costs and all that sort of stuff. It's just way more to do it, you know? So, um, so hey, hey we, this, is in, this is in your that's, hands. This is in your yeah, hands. Yeah, that's the thing. Listening. Like, you guys would have to sponsor that. Right. 
Because you're not going to find we're not going to find an advertiser who's like, oh, that should totally be the thing. And listen, and, I'm not and listen, that. if we do it, like previously, our barbecue episode was like 20 minutes or something like that. We'll yeah. we'll fucking do an hour, man. We'll do we'll do yeah. we'll we'll do it. You know, like we'll 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 get into it. Right? We'll get multiple cameras. We'll get the grill shot. Like we'll do it right. You just got to you, yeah. you just got to show up. <laughs> I'm just I don't know what's in your the your mental bank account there, but let's not. There's going to be crane shots. Yeah, no, it's going to be guys. Well, also, I mean, the, half the reason why the patron number is that number is we have to buy new equipment. I mean, our camera equipment's old, and I don't even know where it all is anymore. I think it's uh, at Josh's. Cheech Marin will be there. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Cheech said if we were barbecuing, he was in. That's all I'm saying. Charo. <laughs> It'll be all celebrities from the 70s at the, yeah, at the barbecue. Great. Uh, we got Gallagher Gavin on the McLeod. line. <laughs> yeah, so. Gavin McLeod, icy alumni. <laughs> So, All right, email us. At, thanks for the email, John. And Patrick, email us at contact.ifanboy.com to get your question on the show. Include your name, where you're from, and also how long you've been thinking about your question in order for us to really properly respect your question. You can also send us an audio file by sending us an email, the same address, mp3. That's true. Uh, also, we've got coming up uh, a book explode. No, we've got coming up a talk explode. But before that, you can go back in the feed and find a book explode, which was The Street Angel Gang by Jim Rugg. Uh, and also uh, an episode from the Animation Brain Trust uh, on Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which received a, is it fair to say a prestige home video release? On um, no. Okay, there are so no special features or anything. I mean, it, and, and there's, some, there's some debate on the quality of the transfer, but uh, it got a Blu-ray release. Can we, can we talk about this for a moment? Um, because yep. I, was, I, was, I was out with some friends this past weekend. Um, friends that you guys know well, and and mutual friends of ours and McLeod? the opinion was presented that Batman Mask of the Phantasm is the greatest Batman movie. That is a very common opinion, and we discussed that in the show because I find that completely mystifying. That okay. is an opinion. That's what I wanted to get to. So listen, listen to the podcast this, to hear this, more. This leads to a well. I don't know if you answered that question, but what is the greatest Batman movie then? The Dark Knight. In your opinion, six. The, the Dark Knight. Can't get rid of a bomb. Batman the movie, that's Ron's, Ron's yeah. choice. I want to uh, say 89, but I know that that's pretty... That's just pretty experiential to me. It, no, yeah. it's just subjective to my own experience. Yeah. The uh, answer given on the show, just a little tease, was that basically it's a combination of the fact that it was the animated version on the screen, plus it was it was in a period where... Uh, it was still during the, it was during Batman Returns when it came out, um, right. so it was like the most pure version of Batman on screen, which is why people love it. Not so much because of the quality of the film itself. So it's more like uh, rose-colored yeah. glasses kind of thing. That's it was relate. Don't don't email me about this. I didn't say this. This was on the sh- the the the, the uh, animated show. I I, I was one asking right. the questions. Yeah. yeah, I think that's that's spot on. Yeah. All right. Cool. So if you're looking for more stuff to listen to, we got some more podcasts on the way. Uh, the Defenders uh, arrived at Netflix to very little fanfare. I thought that was very interesting. <laughs> like literally so, someone at work today or someone at work the other day was, was, uh, said, the Defenders come out? And I was like, yep, it did. <laughs> so, um, so you got the Defenders coming and then you've got the Batman and Harley Quinn animated movie will be, uh, will, will be coming up on our podcast as well too. So the Defenders we're going to get to as soon as we can wa- – as soon as Connor and I – Josh, are you going to be in for that one or – Okay, so as soon as Connor and I get that watched, we will do it. You don't want it to take as long as Iron Fist. And- no, it won't. And it's it's less episodes, so it won't. I'm starting today, so it'll be fine. I, I was going to – I plan on watching a lot this weekend, and then suddenly I had plans every day. So Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's S- life. Same, but we'll get, we'll get there. We'll get to it. So. All right, so. and then finally, uh, Pick of the Week 600 is coming in two weeks. So on Saturday, September 2nd at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Pacific, we're going to be live streaming the recording of the Pick of the Week 600. It's going to be an all-email live show, which means we're going to talk about the Pick of the Week. Then we're going to jump into your emails for however long we want to do it. We usually get a little bit tipsy. Uh, We might have some special guests. We haven't worked that out yet entirely. We're not saying Charo's going to be there, but she might. And you can send your emails to get on the show to contact at ifanboy.com. Mark them 600 in the comments. And it was funny because... After the last week's show came out, we didn't get a lot of emails, and then suddenly, like on Wednesday, we started getting a lot. So now I figured out when all of you listen to the show. It's Wednesday, Thursday. Wednesday, That's Thursday. When 
Yeah, that's when the email started coming in. So, <laughs> Big Luke Six Hundred coming in two weeks. Check it out if you and it's anyone can watch that. No, no restriction on who can watch it. We'll we'll be posting all the links and the information to watch it uh, at the time, appropriate time. Go over to uh, ifanboy.com and I was trying to think about what Charles' catchphrase was. Which in itself feels out of date. Head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our other podcasts. You can comment on, for example, that Batman Mask of the Phantasm thing. Have your conversation there with that business. Again, uh, I didn't say those things. I understand. I'm trying I'm to give them an know. outlet. Uh, you can like facebook.com slash ifanboy that page there of course you can follow at ifanboy on twitter you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show um you can follow us individually at jay flanagan at ron xo uh on twitter and instagram and of course uh cls Kilpatrick is over there on instagram as well and if you like the show please tell your friends tell your comic book store tell anybody who's into it who you think might would like to enjoy podcasts been around here for 12 years and we thank everybody who's done that in the past you guys are amazing about evangelizing us uh so thank you for that and uh please continue to do so in itunes uh you can leave a review there amongst the many many well-written reviews uh and we thank everybody who's done that as well too so that's going to wrap it up for this week Uh, i got a lot of defenders to watch this weekend and i have a lot of laundry to fold to be honest. Those things go together really well, I suspect. I, that's, I, I, that's why I see this kind of like, oh, I got this culmination happening. So uh, If you see a hallway on that screen, you just get folding, buddy. Exactly. So until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. Josh. <laughs>